the window. But um, I think it's a little pressure. That might play into it a little bit, but you're right. It's Watson versus Allen. you got to give Watson the edge just based on being in the league longer. I mean, it's we don't know what we're going to get from Josh Allen tomorrow. No one knows. Um, so there's a little bit of pressure there, but uh, should be a fun one. Uh, I, I lean the Bills on the money line, plus 130. Good value there. Weekdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Sports Grid Network. Did we just become best friends? Yep. The best friends forever. You have an offensive line that's incredibly beat up. You have the running backs that are incredibly beat up. Top wide receiver is Greg Ward. Your secondary is awful. And the Eagles have found a way to limp into the playoffs. Beating Dallas in a game they had to win. Beating the Giants in a game that they had to win. They did it twice. And the Eagles do it again. Do or die against Seattle. Weekdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Sports Grid Network. Welcome into Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman. And this week, we are still in Hawaii. Well, we're not personally. I'm not personally. But the tour, the golf world, still in Hawaii for this week's Sony Open in Honolulu. But before we get to that, I do want to look back at last week because it was quite the tournament and quite the sweat. Justin Thomas wins again. Century Tournament of Champions, he cashes uh, the, the first place prize money, raises the trophy on Sunday in a three-way playoff with Xander Shoffley and Patrick Reed. Very unfortunate because we were holding that 12-1 to 1 Patrick Reed ticket. There was a time in the... Uh, in the playoff that this was Patrick Reed's to lose. You know, it looked like he was just going to be, if he gets up and down on the second playoff hole, he wins this thing. Uh, couldn't get it done, but to put it into perspective, he probably shouldn't have been there anyway. On the 18th tee in regulation, this was Justin Thomas's tournament to lose. You know, he goes out and if he makes uh, makes birdie, he wins the thing. He's he's sitting in the uh, middle of the fairway, and all of a sudden he yanks his ball into the penalty area on his second shot, opening the door for Xander Shoffley. And at that point, it's Xander Shoffley's tournament to lose. And then of course he goes out and three puts it and uh opens the door for a three-way playoff. Patrick Reed in live betting was actually 50 to 1 when Justin Thomas stepped onto the 18th tee. So uh tough to say that that one got away from us. It would have been a nice little bonus, but we probably should not have won it with Patrick Reed despite having a really great performance altogether. I'm excited about not only you know, uh, the, the, the great pick that we made, but, uh, also the, the season that we're, that we're about to get, you know, Justin Thomas, who we talked about months ago as probably the guy who's going to win the PGA tour money list. If you, if you bet it, when we brought it up, he was 13 to one to win the PGA tour money list for this season. He's probably the favorite now he's probably plus 150, something like that. Uh, I'm sure the odds have shrunk considerably since his two wins, since we mentioned that the first time. So um, if you have one of those tickets, you're, I think, in for an exciting rest of the year. Now, this week, Sony Open. This has a little uh, near and dear to my heart, this tournament. This is the first live event that I saw in person years and years ago. Uh, we were on vacation you know, the, the event was in town. We went over there and checked it out. And that was the first time I'd seen professional golfers, uh, up close and personal. And let me tell you, if you've not done this, highly encourage it, um, to see these guys up close. They are unbelievable. Even some of the guys you've never heard of, you know, the, the 200th ranked player in the world, when he hits a ball, it sounds like a shotgun's going off really impressive stuff. So highly encourage you to get out and check it out if you are able to. But um, Wailai Country Club, that's the host, Honolulu, Hawaii, the first full field event of the year. Wailai has hosted the Sony Open every year since 1965, one of the longest running tournaments on the PGA Tour. So we have plenty of tournament history and plenty of course history to go through. That course, a par 70, 7,000 yards. That is quite different than what these guys just played in Maui, where they had, you know, 100 yard wide fairways at Kapalua. That is not going to be the case here at Wailai. These fairways are much more narrow and 
This is a pretty short course. Par 77,000 yards. There's only two par fives on it. Uh, this opens up a lot of the field for coming back into play for being a viable bet uh, for this week. It's a coastal course. Of course, it's on an island. Uh, a couple of the holes directly on the water, but there is going to be wind coming into play at times this week. Keep an eye on the weather forecast. It can gust up to 30, 40 miles per hour. And what's interesting is this course has actually been shortened over the years, which is rare. It's, it's actually lost yardage in the last 30 years, which goes to show this is not necessarily a bomber's paradise. It tends to turn into an iron fest. Guys that can hit their approaches really, really well find success here. We've seen Justin Thomas win. Matt Kuchar is your defending champion. Zach Johnson has won here. So uh, some really solid iron players are going to be in the field this week, and those are presumably have a bit of a leg up on the rest of the field. Two interesting holes. The par 4 10th, which will actually be the first hole of the week because the PGA Tour rotates the two nines. They switch them. That's designed to be like the road hole at St. Andrews. So when you watch this week, keep an eye out for that. It's actually quite interesting. And then the iconic, um, it's the par 3 8th, but it'll play as the 17th this week. It's the par 3 right on the ocean. Uh, it's a beautiful view. That will probably make or break a lot of rounds coming in because it can play pretty difficult when the wind starts kicking up. There are low scores available. Justin Thomas went out and shot a 59 in the opening round two years ago in route to his seven shot victory. Very many low scores out here. The only real defense for the course is going to be the win. So keep an eye on the forecast moving forward and the field that we expect to play this week. So uh, Matt Kuchar here, he's your defending champion. Jordan Spieth is out. We were expecting Spieth to make his debut this week. Not going to happen. He's got the cold. He withdrew from this event. And 21 of the 34 players who played in Maui last week will make the short puddle jumping trip to Honolulu this week. And historically, those players have fared very well at the Sony Open, whether it's because they are better players, because the only way to get into Maui is to win. So generally, they are the better players on tour. But maybe it's the fact that your body's already acclimated to the, uh, you know, the Hawaiian time and you're out there and you got a round in and you've played recently. Those guys historically tend to play pretty well at the Sony Open. I mentioned it's the first full field event of the year. So that means there is going to be a cut top 65 and ties, meaning it's going to wipe out a pretty significant portion of the field and your past champions include Matt Kuchar, who won this event at 22 under par, Patton Kazire at 17 under, Justin Thomas, that big year where he went low 59 and then followed it up like 64, 64, 65, something like that. Uh, 27 under par. That was a seven shot victory over Justin Rose, I believe. Uh, Fabian Gomez won this at 20 under par and then back to back years, Jimmy Walker won here. So when you see that anybody's in play, I don't think anyone really expected Patton Kazire to win this event two years ago. Um, Jimmy Walker, obviously a better player five years ago. He was a major champion, but uh, certainly this was just an event where he kind of popped up and won. Fabian Gomez has raised the trophy on Sunday. So there are a lot of different ways that you can win this event besides just bombing and gouging, which might be what Justin Thomas does this week, but we'll talk more about him in just a minute. So I'm going to break down uh, the, the studs, the long shots and everything in between who's a good bet, who's a bad bet, and where my money's actually going. So we'll get started with that right after these words. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and it's time to jump into this field for this week's Sony Open in Hawaii. So let's take a look at the betting board, or at least the top of it, the the odds-on favorites to win this golf tournament. No surprise, Justin Thomas checks in at 5-1. to one. Very short number, but when you're all, you know, no matter what he would have done at the Tournament of Champions last week, he would have been the favorite here this week. Five to one. He won last week. He's won this event before. No surprise to see him this short. Patrick Reed, who finished second in a playoff last week, 11 to one. Webb Simpson making his year debut, 12 to one. Young Colin Morikawa and Hideki Matsuyama at 16 to one. Matt Kuchar and Sung JM at 22 to one. Joaquin Neiman, Mark Leishman at 33. And then Abraham Answer and Charles Howe, the third at 37 to one. So let's go through this. And I want to do it a little bit differently uh, this week. We're going to go through different categories of players. First, let's start with just the studs, the guys that, you know, if you want to make a bet this week, you're probably betting one of these guys. You just want to sweat it. You want to have a chance to win. You want to have fun. You're probably betting one of these guys. So let's start at the top. Justin Thomas, five to one. You know how I usually treat these. It's usually a fade for me. Uh, We got burned on it last week when he was basically the same odds, right? Five and a half to one. He's shorter this week in a full field event. That's a little bit scary. Um, I usually fade these guys. It's just the volatility of golf. Uh, the same reason we faded John Rahm last week. Uh, Justin Thomas burned us here, but it's really difficult to win golf tournaments, especially when you add 140 other guys. Uh, you know, there's, there's good other golfers here, but that is a very, very short number. It is not a knock against Justin Thomas because he already has two wins this season and dating back to the BMW championship, his results are a win, a ninth, fourth win, 17, fifth and win. That is three wins in his last, what, seven starts. Pretty remarkable stuff. And he's made four out of his last five cuts at the Sony Open, but a 16th and a 14th the last two years, which would not cut it. Uh based on the price that you're going to pay a win three years ago, a missed cut before that and a tie for six. So usually a pretty good result from Justin Thomas when he tees it up at Wiley country club, there's going to be a couple of holes where like, I think it's 17 or 18 where he just cuts the corner, hits it over the trees, hits it over everybody, uh, and takes a lot of this, a lot of the hole apart. But again, I stick with my strategy. It has done us well over the years. This a little bit too short for me. I'll be fading Justin Thomas. Patrick Reed's here, 11 to 1. And uh, if you remember, I was all in on Patrick Reed last week, but not this week. There was this massive chip on his shoulder. Uh, You know, we, we talked last week about some of these guys who go to the Century Tournament of Champions, they are there for the vacation, and some are there to win. Now you open this up to a full field event 
a lot of young, hungry guys who just got their tour card. They're all here to win. This is no longer a vacation for any of these guys. Uh, maybe Matt Kuchar, who's your defending champion, but like literally everyone is here to win this. The other concern I have about Patrick Reed, he gained 9.3 strokes putting last week. That is uh, a ton. Uh, it's like the second most ever at the Century Tournament of Champions since they started tracking strokes gained. It's the most that he's ever had in a tournament dating back like four or five years. It's just a huge number. Um, 2.79 strokes gained around the green. So what is that? 11, 12 strokes he gained on the field in his short game, either around or on the greens. That historically is incredibly unsustainable. Uh, the short game numbers, especially putting, tend to be the most volatile. It's a little bit concerning that he did not did not strike the ball well last week, and now he's going to have to play a course where ball striking is much more critical. I love him long term, but I don't think it's going to be this week. Uh, this number feels a little bit like fool's gold. And if you look at the, the course history for Patrick Reed, a T12 last year, and then he missed the cut in 2013. Those are the only two times he's played it. So it's not like he has a plethora of experience around Wiley. I'm just... I'm just out. I think this number is a bit of fool's gold, uh, especially based on his finish last week. And that finish from last week was highly dependent on a statistic that is probably unlikely to happen again. So uh, get me out on Patrick Reed. At 12 to 1, Webb Simpson making his year debut. And I talk about Webb a lot because I think he is one of the most underrated golfers on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's what, 12th in the world rankings? The guy's really, really good. He has four starts at the Sony Open, or his last four starts, excuse me, fourth and three 13th place finishes. So obviously not going to cut it if you're betting him outright, but the fact that he's been that consistent, four straight top 13s, including a top five, a fourth place finish, that shows that this is a pretty good course for him. The fact that he's not a long hitter brings him back into play this week on one of the shortest courses that the PGA Tour gets on its rota every single year. And what I love about Webb is he is an iron player. He's gained strokes approach in 11 of his last 12 measured events. So very likely he goes out and gains again on approaches this week. And the number that's even more surprising, I tweeted this out earlier and it just like shocked me when I saw it, 11 straight events that he has gained strokes putting. Now I am team no putt. I love guys that ball strike and can't putt well, but Remember when Webb Simpson, when he had the long putter, he was fine. Then they put the the anchor ban on and he was like one of the worst putters on tour for like two years. And kudos to him for finally figuring this out. He's, he's a great putter again and 11 straight events where he rolls the rock better than the rest of the field does. Very impressive stuff. Um, just in terms of his finishes, he has three second place finishes in his last eight starts. So we said, you know, Justin Thomas has three wins in his last seven starts. Webb Simpson has three seconds in his last eight starts. I mean, that's pretty close to winning. Obviously, I know there's a difference, but he's putting himself in contention, playing really, really well. Again, this is a one of the better courses that sets up for Webb, considering how short he is off the tee and the, you know, it's not a prerequisite to be a long hitter around Wiley. 16 to 1. Hideki Matsuyama. Very interesting. I have no idea what to do with Hideki Matsuyama at 16 to 1. He's not fared well here at the Sony Open, which is remarkable considering he is one of the best iron players in the world. But here's his last six starts. This is really, really bad. 51st, 27th, 78th, Miscut, miscut, miscut. Wow. Nothing inside a 27th place finish over the last six starts for one of the world's best players, Hideki Matsuyama, especially an iron player like this. I don't know what it is about Wiley that gives him trouble, but it does. Now, on the flip side, and what makes this so difficult is he's been playing pretty well as of late. 16th place at the Shriners, third place at the CJ Cup. This was part of the Asian swing. Second place at the Zozo. And then an 11th at the WGC HSBC. He stayed in Japan. He played a, a Japanese tour event after that. And he top 10 it. I mean, you could argue Hideki should have won it. Any Japanese tour event that he was going to play. But at least he showed up. He played well. So I'm really torn here. This is a situation where 
I think his outright number, 16 to 1, is probably too short for a guy who has been this bad on this course for so long. He's got a big sample size. But at the same time, if you're one of these people who says, you know, throw out course history, just give me the elite skill sets, here he is. Hideki at 16 to 1 is an elite skill set with uh, ball striking. You know, if he rolls the putter well for, for four days, he might win this thing. But for me, the outright number is probably too short. I'm going to look to play Hideki. I'm going to wait to see what the matchups are. I'm going to see what matchups he can, I can get him in. Um, or if there's group betting, he, he's probably better odds in a group betting type of situation. I just don't like the outright win for a guy who has apparently no feels for the course that we have seen um, thus far. So that's where I'm at on the studs. There are There's the, the three big names, and we're going to talk about some other names here. But... Um, you know, this course, Wiley, I mentioned there's different ways to play it. Bomb and gouge, that's one way. That's the, the route we've seen Justin Thomas take, which is where you just cut corners over the trees, uh, get it out there as far as you can. The rough is not very penal. And then you just try to knock one up on the middle of the green and make a putt. Or there's like what Zach Johnson can do or the way he's won it, which is hit it in the fairway, grab a wedge, because the course isn't very long anyway, fire a wedge to four, five, six feet and roll putts in all week long. So a couple different ways to play this. It opens up a lot of the field, which means we're going to have to talk about some of these long shots for quite a bit. Um, But we're going to get to some young guns right here after these words. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and it's Sony Open Week, still in Hawaii, uh, coming from the Century Tournament of Champions, and the way that I wanted to do this show is a little bit different. Usually, we just kind of go through top of the betting board, middle of the betting board, bottom of the betting board, but this week, I kind of wanted to split these guys up into different groups. So we covered the studs, which is you know all of the betting favorites up top, but what I wanted to do next was go with some go through some young guns because i think this is what we're going to see so often early in the season you know these guys that um either just got their tour card for the first time and now they're playing a, a full a full schedule or um you know graduate off the corn fairy tour something like that right you know made their pro debut last year and now they're going going to be names that we're going to need to talk about so i wanted to dedicate a little bit of a segment here to chat through some of those guys uh, especially this week at the sony open so the first one we see colin morikawa 16 to 1 and quite frankly it's a little bit jarring to see him here this low but at the same time it's understandable Coming off a tie for seventh last week at the Tournament of Champions, and what Morikawa is known for, besides being just part of that Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland group where they always just get bunched together, what he's known for is his prolific irons. He's a great iron player, uh, basically an elite iron player. You know, if he had enough strokes gained rounds last year, he would have been like top five on in strokes gained approach last season. The thing that goes overlooked with Colin Morikawa is that's not his only that's not only the only skill set that he has. He's also really really good off the tee despite not being a long hitter. So, this is kind of an incredible fact. Um since he made his pro debut, he's gaining strokes off the tee 75% of his rounds. That's basically the same rate that Justin Thomas gains strokes off the tee. Now, obviously Justin Thomas gains more of them, but what it shows you is that Morikawa, despite being an elite iron player and shorter off the tee, he's not killing you 
off the tee. He's actually gaining you strokes against the field. It's a really impressive combination. Um, he's gained strokes on approach, the skill set that he loves so much, in 10 of his 12 measured events as a professional. It's, it's really incredible stuff here, and um, he can clearly compete. T7 last week at the Tournament of Champions, which he earned his way into, it feels like he's going to continue to win often on the PGA Tour, and this might be a really good spot for him. I'm not sure if I'll actually get to a bet, um, depending on if Webb Simpson gets my money there at the top. Uh, it might be tough to get Morikawa in, but uh, someone that you should definitely be taking a good, long, hard look at if you're looking for that type of player. Next up is Sungjae Im at 22 to 1, and I don't have enough superlatives in the English language to continue to heap praise on Sungjae, who we talk about week in and week out. But 22 to 1, first start of the calendar year, and you know, it's been a great run. Like he hasn't been like we keep talking about him because he keeps posting results. A T3 at the Zozo, a T11 at the WGC HSBC, and then he played awesome at the President's Cup for the international squad. There's just really nothing this guy can't do. He can win anything. Uh, I, I truly believe that. He's he's gaining strokes in every facet of the game, including being 17th in strokes gained total last season. Like, a top 20 player in strokes gained total for someone who played the most measured rounds is unbelievably impressive. And this 22 to one number, I don't think it's going to last very long. He's very much like a lot of these guys who, once they get their first win, the you're never going to see this number again. So he's already 22 to one here. If he comes back next year and he has already won an event, he might be, he might be 11 to one where Patrick Reed is at. Uh, so I really like this number for him because I want to be early rather than being late, which is kind of a topic and a strategy that we talk about fairly often on this show. Now, if there is any concern about Sungjae, it, it is his irons. His irons are not the best part of his game. In fact, he was almost an exactly even player last year. He was a slightly positive iron player last year, but this year he's a little bit better. Only four measured rounds, tiny, tiny, tiny sample size, but he's already outpacing his um, his start to last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. And in unofficial events, like when we've seen him play at the President's Cup where we don't have strokes gain data, for example, um, he was really impressive there. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of using a little bit of my, my, my eyes, my gut check, and then the stats as well. And I'm hoping that the iron game has turned a corner for Sungjae, 22 to one. We'll, I, I want to bet it, but again, we'll see at the, the final before we wrap up the show, I'll give you the best that I've actually made up to this point. Um, and I'm not sure if Sungjae will be there yet. So you have to wait till the end. Next up, Joaquin Neiman, 33 to one. And this is Joaquin's such an interesting case because we lay heaps of, uh, of praise on the Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa group constantly, um, praise them. Joaquin Neiman was the class before that. He came out the year prior and did things that we hadn't seen anybody do. So after he turned pro at the U.S. Open, I believe, or after the U.S. Open, excuse me, his strokes gain numbers, if he had enough rounds to qualify, he would have been first in almost every single category, which is what we were talking about constantly with Joaquin Neiman. Then he goes into a little bit of a, of a downslide, which you can expect. Like Playing on tour at 19 years old is very, very difficult. I think he's still only 20. I'm not sure if he's even 21 yet, um, but we're starting to see the signs of what we expected two years ago out of Joaquin Neiman, which is just this impenetrable force. He's already won at the Greenbrier this year, and his stats are really, really good. So he's gained on approaches in 12 straight tournaments, including gaining off the tee in 12 of his last 13. He is a ball striking savant, um, to be quite frank. A T5 at the Tournament of Champions last week, again, a really good deep, uh, a really good field. It wasn't that deep, I suppose, but a really good top heavy field. He finishes in a tie for fifth. Again, I already mentioned he's got the win. This guy's up to 53rd in the world. Um, what you need to know about Joaquin Neiman is he's going to be super volatile, right? So if you're betting him, expecting a consistent, hey, top 20, top 20, whatever. I don't think that's going to be the case for him. We've seen him get loose at times. He has a very 
drastic head drop and like kind of jerky motion in his in his swing that leads to some fat shots and he gets loose at times whether he figures that out or whether he can just play through it because his skill set is so good is yet to be seen but uh like it would be no surprise if he if he won this event or if he if he missed the cut so consider that when you're betting or considering betting Joaquin Neiman um Understand the risk that is involved in it. There are much safer players. Colin Morikawa is much safer. Sung J M is much safer. Where if you simulated this tournament a hundred times, those guys would, you know, probably finish in the top ten at a much more often clip than Joaquin Neiman would. But Neiman might win the golf tournament more often, just because he's so volatile back and forth. It's really kind of crazy. Um, so that's where I'm at. Thirty-three to one is a really, really good number for a guy we've already seen win this season. He's coming over from Maui, which is a great trend to keep an eye on and he played well there like neiman neiman might be a bet for me and then the last um the last young gun is and i actually don't even know how young he is <laughs> i guess it's someone who someone who is kind of up and coming on the tour is abraham answer 37 to 1 is where i'm seeing him currently and he is he's an elite uh, off the tee player but he's really really short he doesn't hit the ball very far but hits almost every single fairway which is the perfect combination of what you would expect uh, to be able to find success this week. This is one of the shortest tracks that anybody is going to see at the uh, on the PGA Tour. Par 70, 7,000 yards. And Answer comes in with a T4 at the WGC, a T8 at Mayakoba, and then he played great at the President's Cup, right? He was like the, he was the uh, top point scorer on the international squad. Actually tied with uh, Adam Scott. I think chased him down at the end. Somebody chased him down at the end. They split it, but we cashed all those Abraham answer like 16 to 1 top international point score uh, bets. So this is a guy who really is the real deal. Um, Going out there at a course that really fits what we would expect out of him. And he's playing well coming in. 37 to 1 is a really, really good number. So when you look back at these young guns as a whole, and you've got Morikawa, Im, Neiman, and Answer, I'm probably most partial to Joaquin Neiman here. Uh, but you know, Answer is very interesting. And then and then Morikawa is just kind of and Im, they're kind of in another planet, right? I think those guys are going to be super good for a super long time. All right, here's what else we'll do. Um I want to switch over to like specific skill sets because I think there are specific skill sets that are going to play nice this week. And the first guy that comes to mind there is Corey Connors, who I see at 48 to one. And I'm a massive Corey Connors fan. Uh, the ball striking is incredible. To put this into perspective, he was eighth in strokes gained off the tee last year on PGA Tour. Eighth, ninth in strokes gained approach, ninth in strokes gained tee to green. The problem is uh, he's terrible around the greens, 139th and 181st in putting. So like, if you only had to get to the green, Corey Connors would win every single week. Unfortunately, you have to putt after that, and you've got to put the ball in the actual cup. The good news is, for Corey Connors, anytime he can even get a neutral putting week, he's in contention. Like literally, he won the Valero Texas Open, gaining only two shots on the greens the entire week. Two shots total. That's a half a stroke around. It's nothing. Um... So he does not need a ridiculous putting week to be in contention like a lot of other guys do. He just needs to putt average. Basically, every single time he does that, every single time he gains one or two strokes on the greens, he top fives the event. Go back and look at it. It's really impressive stuff. Throw in the fact that he's got five straight top 20s dating back to the Safeway Open, and he has a third place finish here at the Sony Open last year after Monday qualifying. So he played his way into the Sony Open, then finished in a tie for third, which was the best finish of any Monday qualifier until he did it three months later where he where he Monday qualified for the Valero Texas Open and won the event. He's a grinder. He is going to be, I, I think he's in, in, in store for a really great year and it starts right now at the Sony Open, which is a ball striker's paradise and Corey Connors is an elite ball striker. I've got more skill sets and I've got long shots coming right after these words.
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And we've covered a lot so far. We've covered uh, the course preview, the field preview, the studs, and then some guys with uh, the young guns, and then some guys with specific skill sets. Now, before I jump back into the guys with really good skill sets for the course and or course horses, I think we need a refresher on what's going on at YLI here. So remember, again, par 70, there's only two par fives. So par four scoring is going to be critical. It is one of the shorter courses on the PGA Tour rotation. It is narrow fairway, specifically compared to the 21 guys in this field who played in Maui last week. And historically, uh, there's a few ways to play it. You can bomb and gouge, or you can just hit wedges in. It turns into a little bit of a birdie fest. And the only thing that can play defense at Wiley is the wind. So we will keep an eye on the uh, weather for this week and see if there's any uh, wind that's going to kick up. I did check it early. Could be gusts up to 35 miles an hour all week. So guys that play better in the wind might be considered, but that can change in a moment's notice. So we're just going to keep an eye on that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's there's low scores out here. There's there's dog legs both ways. So being able to hit multiple shots, as with any week, is going to be able to help you. So with that being said, I want to talk more about some of these guys with very specific skill sets that I think will translate into this and then get into guys that um, have shown a propensity for the Sony Open and YLI. So first off, we mentioned Corey Connors, who I, I, I love. I don't think I have anything else to say about him. But in a similar type mold is Kevin Kisner at 48 to 1. Kevin Kisner, for the first time in five starts, lost strokes putting at the Tournament of Champions. That's very unlike uh, Kevin Kisner. He's usually a very solid putter, but what he's even better at is hitting his irons. Uh, We've seen that time and time again, that when it turns into a ball striking type of event, Kevin Kisner is going to be in contention. Now, I'm going to give him a pass last week on the on the putting, losing uh, strokes because he doesn't do it very often. What usually hurts him is his lack of distance off the tee. He's not he's a very, very he is an extremely accurate driver of the golf ball, but he is not very long. Again, this is the week. This is the week for all you short, accurate drivers who can hit their irons and get a hot putter. Like this is your week. It's time. Um, Outside of the Tournament of Champions, which, you know, he lost strokes putting, still finished in the middle of the field, finished T14 out of 34. He had a T7, a top 10 at the Hero World Challenge out of 18. So he's putting himself in in strong fields, which both of those I would consider, they're at least top heavy, right? The Hero World Challenge is 18 of the world's best. The the Tournament of Champions is 34 of last year's winners. So it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty top heavy and then falls off a cliff at the end. But to put yourself in the top third, uh, of of those two fields is a pretty impressive feat considering like neither one of those courses really set up for him, right? I mean, Albany uh, in the Bahamas, not really a great course for Kevin Kisner. And then um, Kapalua, which is one of the longest courses out there. Obviously the ball stays on the ground for a while because there's, you know, so much undulation in the fairways, but still not a great course for Kevin Kisner still showed signs of life. He should be breathing a sigh of relief when he gets onto the grounds at Wiley this week being like, okay, now this is finally a course that fits my needs. I've been playing well enough. Now it's time to strike 48 to one. He is much better than a lot of these newbies in the field who are sitting around the same price. So I will very likely be investing in Kevin Kisner this week, but uh, stay tuned till the end when I give out my actual betting slip. And then one more guy that I found really interesting was Sebastian Munoz, who is 60 to one did play last week at the uh, century tournament of champions. He won, I want to say Sanderson farms uh, during the, the fall portion of the schedule. So he got, he punched his ticket to Maui and What I love about Munoz is that he's incredibly volatile in both directions. He could very easily 
be the best approach player in the field, and he could very easily be the worst approach player in the field. And if that's going to happen, having a long price like this, 60 to one is favorable because, you know, like there's only so many guys that could be the best in the field that week. A lot of them you have to pay a lot of money for. A lot of them are five to one, Justin Thomas, 10 to one, 12 to one. Uh, Munoz is one of these rare guys who, again, it's first or last. It's Ricky Bobby, right? It's, he's, <laughs> he's not going to finish like, uh, T64 here. He's going to like win this thing or he's going to miss the cut very, very badly. Um, but normally week in and week out, he's a great putter and he is great around the greens. He gains strokes off the tee more often than not about 62% of the time, but it's the, it's the approach. He lost five strokes on approaches at the century tournament of champions. Uh, another example, a few weeks prior, he gained five at the Greenbrier. He lost three at Sanderson. Or I'm sorry. Gained three at Sanderson and lost three in Houston. It's just like, it's all over the place. And those are big numbers, you know, to lose five, three or five strokes in one category over the course of a single week is massive. You know, that's like a, that's a 10 shot swing in either direction. If you're losing five to gaining five on just approaches. Now, what I like about that is that's just the one thing that needs to go right for Munoz. He's pretty solid everywhere else. If he gets the irons going, he's in contention. If he doesn't, you'll know right away and he will trunk slam this thing and be out of there Friday afternoon. So you'll know right away. You won't have to sweat the weekend. Um, he was playing really well. He made a lot of birdies at the Century Tournament of Champions. It was, I want to say it was Friday. He, uh, second round, he finished up 17 and 18, five over par. He went double, triple coming in and 18 was like the easiest hole on the course. And he made a triple on it, which absolutely played him out of contention. He was like in eighth heading in, you know, before those two, those two final holes that jumped up and bit him. So there's a lot to like about Munoz. Um, I'm not sure if we'll actually make my final betting card, but I, I will look to see if I can get him in some matchups or top five, top 10 situations like that might be more intriguing than the, the outright 60 to one number that I'm seeing on him at the moment. All right. Let's transition here because I've got a few long shots and they're guys that generally, so when I, when I look at long shots here, I mean, we can throw darts. There's like 80 guys who are 80 to one or longer, something like that. I mean, there's just so many deep shots here. We could play this game all day, but what I've tried to narrow it down to is at least the guys that have had success here at the Sony open in the past, uh, because it is a unique course in the way that it kind of sets up, uh, its location, its time of year in the schedule. It is fairly unique that I do want guys who have played well here in the past. So here's where I've started. Brian Stewart at 60 to one. He has four top 10 finishes in his last six starts here. Historically, if you go back and just pull like the strokes gain numbers for, uh, I think he goes back to 2004 for the uh, Sony Open. He's one of the best per round strokes gain leaders uh, out of anybody. It's like Justin Rose, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Charles Howe, Matt Kuchar, Brian Stewart. It's like those five guys. It's it's really incredible stuff. So uh, really historically good here. And again, one of these guys who is very short off the tee, but that week he's this week he's in play. Uh, last time we saw him play was a top ten at the RSM Classic. So it is a nice sign that he's coming in playing well in pretty good form and he's made seven straight cuts this season. So he's not, not likely to burn you anywhere. Um, great short game. Okay. So that's usually what we see, right? If you're not long off the tee, you better be able to chip and putt because, uh, it, that's, that's going to be the way that you stay on, on tour and make your money. And that's exactly what we have with Brian Stewart, very volatile ball striker, but again, get in the right conditions. He's played well here in the past, probably sets up pretty well for him. Someone that I could get behind even deeper, Brian Gay, 100 to one. This is like the Brian Gay open. Okay. Quite frankly, uh, Brian Gay is such a specific type of player. Uh, him and the next guy, they come into play. Actually, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that comment because Brian Gay is a little bit better than the guy we'll talk about next, but Brian Gay is hundred to one. He's made nine cuts in his last 10 Sony open appearances, he is, uh, he, he plays enough here, plays a ton here, and he's already got two top tens this season. So one being the T7 at the Shriners and the other being a T3 at Bermuda. 
Very, very risky. We've seen him miss the cut a handful of times as well, but he legitimately has top five upside, which I'm not sure a lot of these guys in this range of 100 to 1 actually have. Brian Gay, seasoned PGA Tour professional. Um, I, you know, I'm not that nervous about it because I know he's going to go out there and grind for me. Uh, 100 to 1, I'll probably get to him on maybe like a top five, top 10 basis. Probably not betting him outright to win this golf tournament. Now, here's the last guy 150 to 1, Zach Blair. This is like the Zach Blair open. Um, there are, so he is a very, this is the unique type of golfer that I'm thinking about where he has such a specific skill set, which is extremely short off the tee, but very accurate, uh, can hit his irons well enough and has a great short game. That type of player, and this is, this is true for Zach Blair, they're only in play like six times a year. So those six times a year, you want to make sure that you get some action on Zach Blair, on Brian Gay, on Brian Stewart. They're all kind of similar. You know, you play them here, you play them at Harbor Town, you play them at places where accurate off the tee presides over long off the tee. And that's exactly what we have. So Zach Blair's found success here. Three uh, three, his last three Sony open starts, excuse me, 57th last year, but then he backed it up with a third place finish and a sixth place finish. He's another one of these guys that if you look at his historic strokes gained, it's only like 12 rounds, but, um, really, really good on a per round basis compared to the rest of the field. And what I like about Zach Blair is he already has a, a T4, a fourth place finish at the Safeway open and a 14th at Mayakoba. He, he earned back his tour card last year at the Corn Ferry Tour. So he had to go back down, play a lot of events, uh, play into the playoffs, I believe. He won late in the Corn Ferry Tour season down there, and he was just piling up top tens, which I understand it's the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, but when guys come out of the Corn Ferry Tour, like Sung J M, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland went down there to get his tour card and wrap it up again. Um, Lonto Griffin, guys that are then also finding success on the PGA Tour, it's pretty encouraging. And Zach Blair, I mean, quite frankly, this week is not much more than like a, a big corn fairy tour event. You know, there's a lot of guys who are making their first professional start or first start of the 2020 season, first year on tour. You got a handful of names at the top, but like this is just like a, a more prestigious corn fairy tour event in terms of the actual field. So Zach Blair, I think certainly in play here, 150 to one again. Top five, top 10, top 20, much more in play. Fantasy purposes, if you're looking for value, like Zach Blair might be an interesting guy, but he's 150 to one, which uh, you know that really gets my, my juices flowing. All right, so what I'm gonna do on the other side is I'm going to give my actual betting slip. But before I do so, just a quick recap because it's 2020, we're, we got a lot of new viewers, everything's coming in. Wanna make sure you understand the way that I kind of allocate my dollars. Uh, I have a specific set or a specific amount that I bet every single week. And I have a target amount that I want to make if I actually do hit an outright bet. So that determines how much I need to bet on every golfer. So for example, if my target amount that I want to win, if someone wins the tournament is a thousand dollars and he is 10 to one, I need to bet a hundred dollars on that golfer. If they are a hundred to one, I only need to bet $10 on that golfer. Okay. So that's a very simplistic way for me to be able to determine my betting, um, my betting amounts. Now, the other thing is because I have a set amount that I'm willing to bet. If I bet someone at the top of the board, like a Justin Thomas at five to one, I have to put a lot more down on Justin Thomas at five to one than I do on Sebastian Munoz at 60. So if I bet someone like Justin Thomas, I usually have to go down in the 40, 50, 60 range for my next bet. If I start in the 20s, I can usually get a couple guys in the 20s, maybe a guy in the 40s and go from there. So just wanted to give you an idea of how I usually allocate my money. We've talked about it uh, more in depth on other shows, but I just wanted to give a quick refresher for this week. And with that being said, I'm going to give you my betting card as of this moment, right after a word from our partners.
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. All right, it's time. Uh, my betting slip for the Sony Open. I've avoided Justin Thomas at five to one. That's usually my general strategy. It only burns us, uh, burns us a couple times a year. But uh, I'm gonna avoid him here at five to one. It's simply too short. I opted against Webb Simpson, which was a difficult decision to make because I wanted to pile up on the next range of golfers. So I've got a bet in on Colin Morikawa at sixteen to one. It just felt like. A really good situation to get one of the elite young golfers who does not hit the ball very far, but is awesome with his irons and played well last week in Maui. Like that checks off all the boxes for me. I'm going to take Colin Morikawa at 16 to one and try to cash on his next win after he won the uh, Barracuda last year. I want to pile up on this range. So I also got Sung JM at 22 to one. Uh, I'm I'm such a Sung Jay believer. I I love the guy. Everything about his game. Uh, I really have no concerns here. Right, he's playing well. Third at the Zozo, eleventh at the at the WGC HSBC, and seventeenth in strokes gain total last season. I'm so stoked for this year. I want to be early on a Sung Jay win rather than late. I think that could absolutely come this week. And then Joaquin Neiman. This to me, this was the first bet I made. 33 to one. This is the most incorrect one for me. So 33 to one, um, playing outside of his mind, he's going to be volatile, but, uh, 11 straight, I'm sorry, 12 straight tournaments. He's gained on approach 12 of his last 13. He's gained off the tee. He's going to be volatile. He's just as likely to finish dead last, but 33 to one in this weak field for a guy who has already won this season was too good to pass up. And then I went down to Corey Connors, 48 to 1. So these four bets, uh, Morikawa, Sungjae, Joaquin Neiman, three young studs, and Corey Connors, who I'm so high for this season, elite ball striker, finished in a third place finish last year. So those are my four main bets. I then sprinkled uh, just a few dollars on Brian Stewart, Brian Gay, and Zach Blair, the three long shots, just a few bucks here. And then I'm going to wait and see as the top five and top 10 markets start to mature a little bit and they start coming out, what other odds I can get on those guys because I don't really want to bet them outright. I would prefer to get them in a situation where they only have to be, you know, where they can finish T10 and still cash out on my bet. They don't actually have to go out and win it. All right, that's it. The Sony Open uh, preview, golf betting on demand. I'm Rick Gaiman. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Rick Run Good, and we'll talk to you next week.